Welcome back to episode 34 of the FPL Draft Hub podcast. In this episode, we're looking ahead to game week 10. Welcome back to the FPL Draft Hub podcast, the podcast dedicated to the official FPL Draft game. My name is Mitch and I'm your host for another roundup of waiver discussion, hidden gems, ones to dump and some sell high buy low targets for your trades. I think this past game week has seen a full departure from the crazy hauls and results of the earlier weeks and casting an eye uh, over the scores is more of something we're used to seeing. Eight teams came away with a clean sheet this week, some more fortunate than others in this regard, but we are now seeing our defenders as useful elements in our teams again and actually having something to contribute. The league table is still rather strange to look at, no less through the eyes of a Spurs fan, but the bottom four are starting to feel a little bit adrift even with Burnley's win over Palace on Monday night. One slight adjustment to the format from this week, as I was becoming aware that the bulk of my segments are focused on quote-unquote picks and did not provide an opportunity to look at the other side of the coin and discuss potential problem players, Um, for example, players showing disappointing form or to discuss teams moving into polarising fixture runs. So, At the beginning of the main section, I'll mention the teams with good and bad fixtures over the next few weeks and then go on to the main talking points rather than picks. So let's get into it. So having a look at the fixture barometer, starting off with the teams with good runs. Um, Firstly, we've got Liverpool, who've got a really nice run that goes right up to game week 18. The only tricky fixture in there is a home game against Spurs, but they play the likes of Brighton, Wolves, Fulham, Palace, West Brom, Newcastle, Southampton and Burnley all the way up into January. Another team with some nice fixtures for the next few weeks are Leicester, who've got Fulham at home and then Sheffield and Brighton, but the fixtures do turn after that over the Christmas period. The two Manchester clubs both have very nice fixtures Manchester City in particular um, have got Burnley and Fulham at home next, which could be a great opportunity for some hauls for their struggling assets so far. Both City and United have the difficult or at least tricky fixture on paper of playing each other uh, in the middle there. But uh, other than that, both teams have a really nice set of fixtures around the festive period. The last team to mention here is West Brom now. Most teams who are up against West Brom will be looking at that as a good fixture in itself. But from a West Brom point of view, they've got two home games next against Sheffield United and Palace. And I'll talk a little bit more about that later, followed by an away trip to Newcastle. So it could be a chance for some returns there. At the other end of things, Fulham have got a bad run coming up. Hopefully this doesn't affect too many of you. Um, I doubt many of you are holding on to Fulham assets apart from probably Mitrovic. They go away to Leicester and Man City in the next two, followed by a home game against Liverpool. Burnley have also got a tough run with City, Everton, Arsenal, Villa and Wolves their next games. And finally, Spurs have got a real turn in their fixtures. Carrying on from the game last weekend against City, they go to Chelsea, then host Arsenal. Uh, A slightly easier fixture at Palace and then go to Liverpool, home game against Leicester and away to Wolves. So a real tricky run there. But if they can get a decent number of points from those games, it could set them up nicely for the rest of the year. 
Into the main talking points, and I'm going to start with Reese James. Now, the Chelsea defenders are going really well in the overall standing so far, thanks to four clean sheets and a smattering of attacking returns between them. James kicked the season off with a great 14-point haul with a goal and an assist, but since then hasn't really provided uh, any attacking returns, despite looking good on the eye test. He's been rather overshadowed since then by Zuma and Chilwell, but that could be the opening you need to pry him away from whoever got him on draft day ahead of a couple of trickier fixtures, um, but one who could do you really well down the stretch. The second defender I'm going to mention is Stuart Dallas for Leeds, um, who I'm kind of pointing out here as potentially a new Lundstrom. Now, obviously, Lundstrom was kind of miscategorised last season in terms of where he's meant to play positionally. Um, But Dallas looks like he could have emerged as a fullback being deployed in a central attacking midfielder spot. Managed to get into some good positions and had some shots on goal, which unfortunately did make him look like a defender playing in an unfamiliar role. But if he continues to play there, could be a great source of points with the added bonus of the clean sheet points as well. Ownership is around 20 to 30 percent from those who have been backing Leeds clean sheets already so definitely one to consider if we carry on seeing him play there. Next is Diogo Jota for Liverpool who I've mentioned on numerous previous podcasts scored his third goal in four with a well-taken header from an impeccable Robertson cross from the left. His place in the starting lineup still has a question mark over it but it's fading game by game now even if he does get 20 minutes off of the bench he looks equally dangerous uh, at the moment and is quickly rising from a mid to a top tier midfielder with an impressively consistent output that rival players I'm sure would love to have. For most leagues, he has been well and truly mopped up already and his trade value will be quite high at the moment. But if you're backing him more than the manager owning him, now would be a great time to try and get him. Next, I'm going to mention a couple of the West Brom midfielders, Pereira and Diangana. As I mentioned before, West Brom have two must-win, very winnable home fixtures in game weeks 10 and 11 against Sheffield and Palace, which, if they are to amass the points required to survive this season, will probably require they get six points from six. Goals have generally been hard to come by this season, with only six scored across the team. Pereira has been involved in half of these with a goal and two assists, and Diangana has also scored one himself. If West Brom are to win, these two will probably be heavily involved. Pereira's ownership is relatively high, depending on league size hovering around the 50% mark, while Diangana is generally available and would meet the criteria to be in our hidden gem slot in his own right, but I feel it's appropriate to discuss the two of them here together. If you look at their heat maps, both tend to stick to their respective wings, but Diangana is actually the one who gets in the box more with 23 touches in the opponent's box compared to Pereira's nine. Pereira obviously carries the set-piece threat, which Giangana doesn't, and is a bit more experienced. Obviously, Pereira is your number one choice here if you want to back one of them, but Giangana might be uh, a nice pickup if you're in a larger league too. Sticking with West Brom and into the forward spots, we've got Callum Robinson. Neither Robinson or Grant have won the starting strike spot at West Brom yet, with Grant given more of a chance since his arrival. However, given Robinson's time with Sheffield United last season, it wouldn't surprise me to see him given the nod to try and make use of some of his insider knowledge. The issue with Robinson is that his heat map does not look like that of a striker, whereas Grant shows at least some activity in the dangerous areas. 
If you've got a strike spot you're able to stream, he could be a good one to two week punt, but I'd struggle to uh, give him more endorsement than that. Finally is Jay Rodriguez for Burnley, handed only a second uh, league start the season in their 1-0 win over Palace on Monday evening. And for me, that's no coincidence that they were able to find that first win with J-Rod in the 11. He's the only player in the squad who can conjure something out of nothing. And we saw it in the goal as he definitely turned the ball around the corner for Wood to hammer home. This should spell a run of starts for him. And with his ownership below 50% in most leagues, he'll be an available option for most of you. And, you know, if you're holding on to any of the Sheffield United strikers, for example, I would definitely rather have J-Rod in my team over them. But do take this with a pinch of salt because I do have a bit of a soft spot for him. Into the hidden gem section then. So these are all players with generally ownership below 10%. So should be available if you fancy them. First one I'm going to mention is Joe Rodon for Spurs. Owned by 0.2% of managers out there. Now with Toby Alderweireld out with what looks like a groin strain. Dyer will be in need of a new central defensive partner. um, At least in the short term. This could be enough of a blow to make you turn away from the Spurs defence in general. But if not, there is probably a waiver option waiting for you. So Joe Rodon, newly signed from Swansea, has had the spot on the bench lately with Davinson Sanchez not seen in the Premier League squad now for over a month. Rodon will almost certainly be there for you, but others may punt on Sanchez being recalled, who after a couple of shaky performances has joined Deli Ali and Danny Rose in Mourinho's doghouse. The other curveball is Jaffet Tanganga, who came across well in the Amazon Prime series, but has yet to see a single Premier League minute this campaign. Fixtures are obviously looking tough up to Christmas, but if they can keep Manchester City out, there's nothing to say they can't keep out the likes of Chelsea, Arsenal and Liverpool. If it were me, I'd probably wait until after the Chelsea game to decide. But if you're in one of the bigger leagues, you know, 15, 16 managers where resources are really scarce, he could be a good one to move early on. Next is Elkbonna for West Ham, owned in around 9% of leagues. Second clean sheet in a row for West Ham, albeit against struggling Fulham and Sheffield United. They've got the job done nevertheless. Ogbonna has been virtually ever-present this season, starting every match so far. He's not a fan of the old bonus points, but will certainly be a worthy addition from a team that are extremely settled at the moment and very stable at the back. Next are a couple of Crystal Palace options in Scott Dan. And Nathaniel Klein, not the best time to introduce them coming off the back of a 1-0 defeat to Strugglers Burnley, though that result felt likely when the team sheets came out on Monday evening. However, a home game against Newcastle followed by a trip to West Brom means that that defence could represent some decent clean sheet value in this early winter period before moving them on for better options. The final defender to mention here is Matt Loughton for Burnley, owned in about 0.2% of leagues now started four games in a row at right back and is there more as a free agent target should you decide you're on a piece of the Burnley defence last minute. The fixtures aren't too shabby beyond the Manchester City game this week and with the Tarkovsky and me partnership restored, Burnley will be looking towards clean sheets to help change their fortunes down the stretch. Into midfield and we've got Bertrand Traore for Villa who's owned in just 1% of leagues. Ross Barkley looks set to miss a few games, having picked up a muscular injury early on against Brighton, but his replacement came on and looked good. 
He managed his first attacking return with a lovely set-piece assist for Conza's goal and had a good shot pushed around the post shortly before that. The fixtures for Villa aren't too bad at all, moving forward with West Ham, Newcastle, Wolves and Burnley in their next four. So it could be a nice differential to pick up whilst Barkley is out. Next is Ndombele for Spurs. He's now started the Spurs' last six league games, but he's yet to see out a full 90 minutes. His two attacking returns in the league this year have come against Man United and Man City, which on paper should be the two more difficult fixtures. And while the sample size is tiny, his ability to escape midfield traps is a valuable attribute against some of the bigger clubs. And it's something Spurs have missed since Moussa Dembele's departure last year. He's not somebody to consider in moderately sized leagues of between 8 and 10, but as leagues get bigger and resources become more scarce, he's somebody I wouldn't dismiss necessarily due to fixtures. And now a rare sighting in the hidden gem section. There's actually a striker to talk about, and that's Danny Welbeck for Brighton, whose ownership, depending on league size, can be as low as 4%. Has seen a gradual introduction into the Brighton team from game week 7 onwards, culminating in 90 minutes, a well-taken goal, and all three bonus points in their win over Aston Villa. The question at Brighton this season has been how they go about converting good performances into results, and they've turned to Welbeck for an answer there. Some of the striker options I consider dropping for Welbeck would include the likes of Jordan Ayew, uh, teammate Connolly, Carlon Grant, and any of the Sheffield United strikers who, if you haven't guessed already, I am not a fan of. The caveat here is his injury record, and he's not getting any younger. In fact, the England international turns 30 on Thursday the 26th. Um, and I'm sure he's an avid listener of the podcast, so happy birthday, Danny. A few players who I would say just to get rid and throw back into the waiver pile. Um, goalkeeper we've mentioned quite a few times in this section, Dean Henderson, whose ownership remains pretty high, unless you're handcuffing him with David Hea, not worth your time. Aspilicueta in defence is still relatively well owned, um, well above the 50% mark. And I think it's clear that uh, he's definitely not first choice in the Chelsea starting eleven. certainly not in the Premier League. Into midfield, Pepe, who I would have said was over-owned anyway before this week, but now with the, the ban he's got for the red card he got against Leeds, definitely over-owned. And I'm sure we'll see a big exodus um, from managers this week. And finally, the ever-present in this section, Mesut Ozil. Now, alarmingly, we saw a general rise in the social media warriors' ownership this week as people are presumably gambling on him riding back into town like the shunned sheriff in a western to save the day. Perhaps they know something we don't. Perhaps they're just idiots. On to the trade valuations then, starting off with some to consider selling high. Um, We've got one from each position, except the goalkeepers. Starting with defence, we've got Kurt Azuma, who's the top-scoring defender with 54 points after nine weeks. Three goals and four clean sheets in there, conceded just one from their last four, Chelsea. The fixtures are now taking a turn, um, so you'd expect the clean sheets to dry up and he'll find it difficult to keep up. His impressive scoring record, I'm sure. But if you could do a direct swap for, say, one of the Manchester City defenders, it would be a very timely upgrade. Into midfield, Pablo Fornals is likely to be somebody you were able to grab off the waivers post-draft day, 
who has produced some useful returns, came up with another assist against Sheffield United. And that could be a nice parting score for your team. Not a glamorous player to offer up, but I'm sure there will be managers in your league for which for nows outscores all of their current crop of midfielders. And that would be what I trade off of. Finally, we've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, the current frontrunner for the Premier League Golden Boot with 10 goals from the opening nine games, having only blanked uh, from an FPL point of view in one match so far. Will the flow continue or will we see the world dry up? He's doing all the simple things the great goal scorers have done over the years, getting close to the six-yard box and instinctively shooting on sight and looks really good. If your team has been reliant on him up to now, it could be a great time to trade him out and bring some value into other areas. And there's no doubt he'll have many suitors across your league. Into buy low territory. And the first one is Ricardo Pereira, who's now firmly on the comeback trail with a return to action in Leicester's development squad game on Monday. Got about an hour of game time. Means we could see Pereira back in the Premier League matchday squad as early as game week 10, but it's probably more likely to be game week 11 or 12. The fixtures for Leicester are are good, as mentioned before, but this could be detrimental to Pereira's imminent return as there would be little need to risk him in those seemingly less challenging fixtures. Still, a return does look like it's in sight and could be the time to shoehorn him into a trade deal. Next is Riyad Mahrez. Very disappointing start to the season uh, with another blank in the game against Spurs. Not that any of the City players really could draw praise from that game. Many will now be becoming impatient with their City assets just in time for their favourable fixture run and could be the perfect time to take advantage of it. I expect Aguero to be back in the 11 next weekend and some key players potentially being rested in the Champions League game means we should see a reinvigorated Manchester City. If you are able to bring in the likes of Mares now, you should get them at the best value as I expect a return of the points from next week, seeing their collective stock rising again. Up front is Neil Mopé, had a really promising start with four goals and one assist in Brighton's first four matches, but then nothing since then. Positionally, he has been nudged around a little bit and the team has lost some of its early stability in the absence of Trossard, but that may be a blessing in disguise as we've started to see the results turn. I still rate Mopé as a mid-tier striker and while he seems to have gone stale, now could be a good chance to pick him up. So that's it for this week's episode. Hopefully there was something useful in there for you or at least gave you pause for thought on the name you may not have even considered yet. We've got another Friday night game this week, which means the waiver deadline will be on Thursday, the 26th of November at half six in the evening GMT. So as I always say, be sure to pencil your waivers in early and get your trade negotiations started now. It looks like a fairly tight game week on paper, so your waivers could really make the difference this week. If you enjoyed this, then make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes when they come out. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at FPLDraftPod, where you can reach out to me for advice or feedback on the show. All greatly appreciated. Also, I know nobody likes sharing information, especially in Draft FPL, but if you think others would find this useful, then do give it a share or comment if you see it posted somewhere. I will be back next week for a Game Week 11 preview. Next week, I have the pleasure of working night shifts, so I might have to do that one slightly earlier before the Monday fixtures have been played, um, but I will keep you posted on that. But as always, best of luck, 
for your waivers and moves ahead of game week 10. And as always, stay shook. Stay shook.